How you doing, John? How was Nashville? Still recovering, boys, but uh, hey, it's <laughs> July 1st. It's free agency. There's work to do, so let's get after it. Let's go. Trevor Lewis, your thoughts on him coming back to L.A.? I think it's a solid move. You know, the Kings need to improve uh, defensively. Uh, they need to improve on the penalty kill. They have a lot of young players that are working into the lineup right now, so getting his veteran leadership, getting somebody who's an absolute true professional in the room, somebody who's easy to communicate with. You love those kind of bottom six guys. They, they just go out there and they're machines. They, come, they show up to work every day. They go out on the ice. They do what they need to do, and they get the job done, and they show younger players uh, how you have to do it to have longevity in the NHL, and he's been doing it for 16 yeah. years. So I know he's really excited about it. I had a chance to catch up with him earlier today. So, uh, hey, it, as, as he and I talked about, it's time to bookend his career. He started his number 61 in Los Angeles. 22 mm-hmm. is no longer available because Kevin Fiala has it. So uh, it looks like we're going to try to see if we can get him to go back to 61 here in L.A. <laughs> that would be a great way to bookend his career. And, hey, if it wasn't for the lockout uh, back in 2012, 2013, he'd be sniffing 1,000 games this season. Yep. Instead, he's about eight games away from 900. So uh, good to have Louie back, and uh, we'll see where this goes here as the Kings still need to sort out what they're doing among their uh, you know, bottom six forwards. You know, time flies, guys. We just finished, the mayor and I, episode 159 of Kings of the Podcast. We've been doing it for now four seasons, which seems Amazing. crazy. But on this last episode, and I know that some fans are not happy with the trade, and Dubois is a malcontent, and he's going to want out after a year. But John did a great one-on-one with P.L. Dubois. John, just talk about talking to him and your thoughts and impressions about him as an individual talking to him and just the effect he'll have on the roster. Well, I think one of the most difficult things about covering new players or, or being introduced to new players coming into an organization is when you cover a team like we do, you're in and around the guys. And so you sort of have a sense of who the good ones are, who the easy ones are to talk to, who the teammates are. You gather a lot of information both on the record and off the record. And just being around it and absorbing it, you're very in tune with the team that you're covering. What you're not as in tune with is what's going on in other cities with other teams. Sometimes through teammates that maybe came, or maybe a guy comes from Columbus and he, you know, you find out a little bit of things, or a guy came from Philadelphia, you hear things. But where I'm going with this is the problem is social media, and everybody has an opinion, and everybody shares an opinion, and one story becomes uh, something much bigger, and then you have these preconceived notions of who people are. And I always come back to Dean Lombardi. I've referenced this story many, many times. The press conference with uh, Daryl Sutter when he was introduced, and Dean kind of pulling us a couple of us to the side that day and saying, "Hey." Have an open mind. He's not who you think he is. And that was his introduction to Daryl Sutter and that reminder that you need to be open-minded. And the reason I set the table with that is there's a lot of noise out there around Pierre Lubois and his, and his time in Columbus and what happened in his time in Winnipeg. And people love to share their opinions and they can have their opinions. But I'm going to say this. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal, and I can't wait to talk to the guy again. He, he was just a great guest. And I can see why a couple of teammates were texting me soon after the trade. Guys that have played with him before and said, you're really going to like this guy. He's a great teammate, and all he really cares about is winning. So what I'm saying is I think that some of that noise that's out there, while there might be some truth to it, I don't know. But I'm willing to give the guy a fresh start here in Los Angeles. And I'm interested to see where this whole thing goes because the Kings certainly gave up a lot, but they did improve their club as well. They're a better team today than they were two weeks ago. And you added, uh, you know, uh, a mid-20, a younger 20-year-old, 20 uh, 24, 25-year-old second-line center uh, who, you know, 
he plays more of a power forward game, power forward light perhaps, um, than maybe what the Kings had in terms of options in that role. So they're going to be deep down the middle. I think you just have to give it time and let it see how it plays out and then ask me. Uh, oops, sorry, guys. Uh, I was just <laughs> checking on something here. I would expect uh, nothing no, less. Sh- I, it, 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 <laughs> right? Yeah, What a way to finish the season. The, Go on, Dave. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, the Shane Gossett Spirit deal, uh, one year just over $4 million with Detroit is done. Um, yep. That's lovely little bit of business for Detroit. Uh, all right, uh, John, going back to this. Um, I'm also still recovering from Nashville, by the way, so please bear with me. Um, this team uh, adding Cam Talbot, David Riddick to the goaltending position. They obviously they have Phoenix Copley. Um, is this just who battle royale? One guy after another, three team ladder match. Like how's this going to work to see who takes the reins here? Well, I certainly appreciate the pro wrestling uh, you know tie in there. So that's a good job, Dave. But uh, no, uh, you know, big save, Dave. Uh, the other Dave, that is uh, Panyota uh, or Pinata, as we now refer to you as. Uh, Big Save Dave is really more for the American <laughs> Hockey League. They're going to pair him with Eric Portillo down with the Ontario Reign. Right. I mean, these are the plans, guys. So if everything goes, you know, to hell in a handbasket come training camp, you know, you don't have to clip this and say that Hoban was wrong. Uh, by the way, it wouldn't right. be the first time, you know, to all the haters out there. But the plan, <laughs> the plan on July 1st is that Big Save Dave will be paired up with uh, rookie Eric Portillo, who uh, the Kings made a deal with Buffalo Sabres to bring him in. Uh, he's coming out of playing out of uh, the University of Michigan and that's really their top prospect at the goaltending position, and they're going to try to nurture him along this year. And they're, they're pairing him with a veteran, which has really been the Kings' M.O., like many other teams. When you have a young goalie in the American Hockey League, you want to pair him up with the veteran. Phoenix Copley, coincidentally enough, was that guy last summer. That's the guy they signed to play alongside yep. Matt Vololta. Copley yep. came in and basically nudged Vololta out of the way, and then the next thing you know, he comes in and saves the Kings' season. There's no other way to say it when he came in in early December – uh, and it's been a whirlwind in the crease ever since then with Peterson and Quick, you know, both leaving and Corpus Allo having a cup of coffee in L.A. Uh, it's going to be Cam Talbot. It's going to be Phoenix Copley. Uh, I don't think that anybody knows. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to uh, Coach Todd McClellan. He was in and around Nashville, allegedly. Uh, didn't see him, didn't talk to him. But I think even if we did talk to him, he wouldn't have known today, is it a 1A, 1B, is it a 70-30? And I think that whatever the plan is today is going to change in the coming weeks, uh, you know, McClellan's made reference in the past of trying to doodle things uh, on, a, on a cocktail napkin, you know, at a restaurant or a bar. He's probably going to go over it in his head a million different times and then just really see, see how it plays out in training camp. Copley's going to get some starts. Uh, Cam Talbot's going to get some starts. But keep this in mind. Talbot's contract is essentially it's a $225,000 signing bonus, seven seventy-five on the salary. So it's yeah. about a million going in. But then he has a million-dollar bonus and performance incentive if he hits 10 games the plan is to basically see how this goaltending takes them into the trade deadline and then maybe they'll have a way to somehow do some cap gymnastics and bring somebody else in if needed so you have to wonder how does talbot's 10 games play into all of that maybe copley gets the bulk of the games to limit him to only nine games heading into the trade deadline it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out the defense is better the forwards are better goaltending i don't know i'll let you know in a couple months Lots to ask you then in a couple months, right? Uh, Especially about the goaltending as well. I'm looking ahead to the future, uh, uh, Kopi, into the last year of the contract at 10. He's 35, uh, UFA in 24-25. If you can kind of look into 24-25, how do you think that's going to look for him? 
Well, the indications are from both sides that they want to get a deal done. They want to get an extension done. Ante Kopitar has made that very clear at the end of the season, that he would like to sign an extension. He'd like to finish his career in Los Angeles. I think we really have to ask ourselves, how long is he going to play? I mean, Kopitar is a machine. He is not mm-hmm. your typical 36-year-old. And you look at his performance over the last couple of years, the numbers have not tailed off. Regression has not been a major part of his game. You know, being the son of a coach and understanding what it takes to be a professional, he's just a machine. And even if you cut his minutes back and drop him down to maybe the second-line uh, center spot, whether it's this season, next season, or whatnot, I mean, what, what does the end of his career look like? How many more years is he going to play? So what is this extension going to look like? It certainly could and should be a multi-year deal. There's no reason to sign him to a one-year deal uh, unless that's something that he wants. So uh, I'd say you're looking at a two- to three-year deal. You're probably looking at around $5 million, which is a, a reduction from where he is. He's in the final year of a $10 million deal. But I think the blueprint's there. Patrice Bergeron uh, did a 2.5 and a 2.5, you know, $2.5 million in base salary plus incentives. Uh, gets him to $5 million. you know, that's a good number for Kopitar. If the number's more than six, that's concerning if you're the Kings from a, a cap perspective because they're looking forward to getting some relief beginning next season, and they're going to have younger yeah. players they're going to need to pay. Uh, but yeah, in the in the weeks ahead here, hopefully you get a deal done between Kopitar and the Kings, and a uh, two- to three-year range would be uh, what I would expect. You know, maybe you talk about the defense, and, yeah, the top four's a lot of movement, right? You, Granz is gone. Faber was traded. Dursey was traded. Walker was traded. Edler's probably going to retire. So how do you see that bottom pair? And specifically, how many minutes a night do you think he even makes the roster? Brant Clark, what do you think happens there early on and as we get later in the season? Well, here, here's the one thing that I want to lead with as a headline when it comes to the defense, and that is for all the complainers out there, and there's a lot of them on Twitter right now talking about the yep. Kings and their roster and this and that, everybody's sleeping on really the big headline as far as I'm concerned, and that is the addition of Gavrikov to come back and sign a multi-year deal to be with the L.A. Mm. Kings. That's the key component to this uh, club. For years, we've talked about the fact that that's the next big move, and they went out and took that big swing at the trade deadline. They added Gavrikov and now he's going to be here for the next couple of years and perhaps even beyond that. So that's the move that everybody should be talking about, and that's why this team is going to be so much better. When you look at the defense, with all respect given to the players that were here, this club is much, much better now when you look defensively. So you have Anderson and Dowdy on the top pair, and then you have Gavrikov anchoring that left side on the second pair, and then you have options from there. You can start them out playing with Matt Roy, which is where they were in the playoffs, and then as you get more comfortable with Jordan Spence and or Brant Clark and you want to bring some offense onto that pairing, you can move them up off the third pair and you can put them probably in the second half of the season. You'll see this more with Gavrikov. Really like the Kings' defense. And in terms of what's going to happen on the third pair, again, it's all back to options, and I think they're all upgrades over where they were before. Uh, you have the lefty-righty balance. You're going to have Bjornfoot, who played more games in the Kings uh, jersey on the blue line two seasons ago than any other player. So it's interesting that he didn't get in the NHL last year. Perhaps it was to keep that contract low coming into this season, but he's going to anchor the left side. He's a former first-round pick. He's more than capable of playing there on the left side, third pair. He'll be with Spence or he'll be with Clark. How many minutes does Clark get? You're going to see a lot of paper transactions, as we have over the last couple years in L.A., as they navigate the cap. So Spence will be up one day. Clark will be up another day. How they're going to manage this over the road trip is the most interesting thing. It wouldn't surprise me, actually, at some point, maybe not the first couple weeks of the season, but it wouldn't surprise me at some point to help him settle down, 
to have Brant Clark go on maybe a two-week run in the American League. Maybe the Kings go out on a road trip and they take Spence with them instead. Maybe let Clark get some games in and get sort of comfortable, get the system going, things like that. It's going to be interesting. Brant Clark is in town next week for development camp, and we'll have to see sort of where his head is at, but he's coming off a phenomenal year where he was all-worldly in the Ontario Hockey League. He's ready to take the next step. The Kings are excited to have him, so we'll see where it goes from here. They uh, open up preseason back-to-back against Arizona September 22nd. Then they open up the regular season, two home games against Colorado October 11th, and then the 14th of October against Carolina. It'll be here sooner than we all think, because that's just what happens when time flies. John, appreciate the time. Always uh, fantastic to have you on and a big part of the family, and I hope you uh, the recovery process goes a little faster after this. <laughs> Thanks, boys. I appreciate it. Panyota, take two aspirin and get a good drink of water. Call me in the morning. I'll see you.